We are in this series discussing protecting ourselves from toxic things, and we have discussed already toxic thoughts um, and toxic influences. Today, we're going to talk about toxic relationships, and this is a loaded topic, and I'm fully aware of that, but the thing that I want you to keep in the back of your mind is that the reason we are discussing this is because even relationships have the possibility of having enough toxicity in them that it will affect you in a negative way and it will change how you look at the world and it will change how you interact with people and it can and will change what God is able to do in your life for his kingdom. But people can be your greatest spiritual asset. I mean, do you have any of those kind of friends that it's like every time you're with them, you feel like you're a little closer to the Lord? Like, I mean, it, it, it just, they are, they're, or they're encouraging, and they make you feel like you are, you're heading in the right direction, or even maybe just helping you look at something in your life that maybe needs to be tweaked a little bit to, to take you to a different place. People have the potential of being an incredible asset to us spiritually. But people also then, conversely, have the possibility and the potential of being an incredible liability to us. And so I think we need to be more intentional about our relationships. People can encourage you and strengthen you and build you up and equip you and make you feel better. Or people can also be distracting and discouraging and poisonous. So we're in this toxic series, and I want to remind you that the definition of toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. And I believe, so so I think, I can think of relationships that I have had, people in my life that had the potential to do exactly this in my life, to cause sickness and possibly even death. Last year, early in the year, we, we don't get sick very often. Um, but around as many people as we are in life, you know, it's just going to happen. And last year, somehow, um, my whole family went down. I mean, we all got the flu. It was the kind of thing where, like, friends would come and leave chicken soup on the doorstep and then, like, walk away. Like, we were, it was so contagious, we didn't want anybody else to get what we had. It was a miserable three days, but we were toxic, right? We have, we all have that potential, of affecting somebody else negatively. Paul said in his writings to the church at Corinth, and if you know much about the church at Corinth, there were some real issues going on there. There was a lot of immorality. There was a lot of, of questionable lifestyle. And Paul said this to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, be not deceived. And that's a beautiful word, but that is, it has so much more depth to that meaning. It has the idea of being misled. Like you didn't really mean to. Like you were, you thought you were heading in the right direction. Be not deceived. Like, like well, it's no big deal. They mean well, or they're my friend, you know, so don't be deceived. And then he says, this is an unusual King James word. It says evil communications. And that word communication is not the way that you and I would think of it today, like having a conversation. 
It has the idea more of companionships. Like we are intimately involved with other people. So it's like these are our friends. So don't be misled. Don't take this lightly. Evil companionships corrupt good manners. And that word manners is just the word behavior. So, so Paul is being very clear. Don't be mistaken here. Your, your relationships with other people that are unhealthy will corrupt the way that you behave. It is, it is undeniable that we are a product of our influences. And the people that we spend time with and the, and, and the, and the books that we read and the influences that we have in our life change who we are, and relationships are incredibly important. In Christian circles, there is this understanding that we're to help everybody and that we are, we're responsible for each other and we should always be kind and we should always be nice and should never say no to anybody. And I, and I for the most part, agree that that ought to be who we are as a church and as a, as, a, as a group of believers. But there are moments when you have to be smart about this and realize that there are, there are corrupting influences around us. And I'm not saying we should not interact with other people that maybe aren't where we are, and that's not what I'm trying to come across as. I just think you need to think about that because evil communications and bad friendships will hurt who you are as a person. And Paul was writing later on in the, in, in the, in the New Testament to his son in the faith, Timothy. And in 2 Timothy 2, verses 16 and 17, it says this. It says, but shun, in other words, purposely turn away from profane and vain babblings. I love that word. Vain babblings, for they will increase unto more what? Ungodliness. And then he says this, and their word, whose word? The people who are the bad influences. And their word will eat as doth a canker. That's gangrene. That's rotting flesh. So it's going to spread like gangrene. So we have to keep from getting exposed to it. Corrupt company corrupts. It is infectious. So what I'd like to do is give you permission this morning, if you need it, to help you recognize influences in your life that are unhealthy. There's a lot of types of unhealthy relationships. We're going, to, we're going to break it down to only the three. And the first one that is most common, we're not going to spend a lot of time on these because you're going to have these aha moments without me having to say much at all. And when I say these individuals, my guess is going to be that someone's face is going to come in your brain because we all know somebody. For instance, the first one is the chronically negative person. Don't point to anybody, all right? 
But they drag you down. They're judgmental. They never see anything good about any situation. They're just always negative. It's like they can never, ever say an encouraging word. They're never happy about their situation in life. They always have something negative to say. They're dependable. They're always going to complain. It's like no matter how much good there is, no matter how bright the sun, they're going to see the one cloud. It's like no matter how much you try to make them happy, they're always going to find something negative to say. Like the people of Israel, right? They were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. God sends Moses and sets them free. And If you know much about that story, it's like they complained all the time. They even said, it would be better for us to be back in slavery. At least there we had leeks and onions to eat. God sends them manna from heaven. And that still wasn't good enough. It's like everything that happened in their life during their wilderness wanderings, was like not good enough. Can you imagine being God? Like, are you kidding me? There are people in your life that it's just never going to be good enough. They are absolutely, chronically negative. And it may not be even about what you're doing. It's just the way they see life. Everything is negative. We all have an Eeyore in our life. We need a few more tiggers. But we all have Eeyores in our life. They have this magical ability to depress you. And then there's the controller. Overbearing, demanding, manipulative, maybe even abusive. They intimidate you. They're always trying to get you to change who you are. They're always trying to manipulate you. They have the ability for, to make you feel guilty about who you are. Listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if there's somebody in your life that constantly creates fear, that's not of God. That's a toxic relationship. The chronically negative, the controller, and then thirdly, the tempter. It might be a boyfriend, might be a girlfriend, might be your buddies, but they are trying to push you to doing some things that you just know are not the right thing to do. It doesn't have to be sin. That's the first thing we think of, right? It might not be the bar, and it might not be this relationship. It might not be pushing you to do sin. It might be just materialism, like stuff. Like they're just, they always push you because of the pressure you feel from them to not live by a budget and to spend money that you don't have so that you can live how you know you should be living. And it's this materialistic thing. It doesn't have to be sin. So now listen, these folks are more than just annoying. They are potentially toxic. And what I mean is that they have then the potential to make you spiritually sick and to make you spiritually even dead. But here's the thing. 
we can be too. We can all be toxic in our own way. So I want to just... I want to just dispel two things here real quick, or at least address them. And the first thing is this idea that we're supposed to help everybody. That we're supposed to help other people as believers. That there are toxic people around us all the time. So so aren't we supposed to be helping them? So I just want to give you one illustration. Have any of you ever gone on a plane? And there's always the pre-flight announcements. And the first thing they talk about is fastening your seatbelt. And then they say that if there's, a, if there's a drop in cabin pressure, what's going to drop out of the, miraculously drop out of the sky, right? Oxygen masks. And what do they tell parents? To put it on yourself first and then put the oxygen mask on the kid. Seems selfless, right? No, I love my children. And if you have more than one child, you have to pick which one you like better. This one hasn't been fussing as much, so I'll put the oxygen mask on that one. But the idea is you need to take care of yourself so you're able to help somebody else. So I'm not saying we should not help people. I'm not saying that these toxic people are terminal. I'm not saying that there's not hope for them. I'm just saying that you need to protect yourself. I mean, I appreciate it when you come to church and you know that you have like a little crud going on and you don't shake my hand. I don't get offended by that. Do you know what I say is, thank you, because I don't want to get your crud, okay? Thank you. And now all of you that I shook your hands this morning, you're going, oh, thanks, Eric. I'm not contagious. I'm pretty sure of that. How would I know? I mean, I don't know. Sorry. But take care of yourself. Yeah, we're supposed to be helping people. But you got to take care of yourself. The second thing I want to kind of dispel here a little bit is this idea that we're supposed to forgive everybody for everything. I get it. And I would say this, and I I agree with this, that we're always caused to forgive, called to forgive. As believers, we are always, we've been forgiven much. We are always called to forgive. But forgiveness should not be seen as a remedy to another's character. Now, that's a loaded statement. My forgiveness doesn't make them a better person. And the tempter and the controller and the chronically negative, they don't care if you forgive them. Forgiveness is for you, not necessarily for them. Forgiveness sets you free. So forgiveness is a necessary thing. Yes, we are supposed to forgive that person who controls us. We are supposed to forgive the person who never has a kind word to say. We are supposed to forgive them. But our forgiveness is not to be misunderstood for making them get better. Our forgiveness, it's not the pill that they need to take to make them better. And forgiveness and reconciliation are very different because this is the thing. Forgiveness is unilateral. What what do I mean? Forgiveness only requires one person. Forgiveness is one-sided. I forgive you. That's unilateral. That's me. It's one-sided. I have forgiven you. My heart's good. I'm good with Jesus. I have forgiven you. I'm not harboring resentment and bitterness anymore. My forgiveness of you has set me free. You're forgiven. That's unilateral. 
Reconciliation is bilateral. That's two-sided. Reconciliation means not only have I forgiven you, but we have reestablished this relationship, and it's now healthy. That's reconciliation. Reconciliation doesn't happen with forgiveness. So we're not talking about the same thing here. So the controller and the tempter and the chronically negative person, you can forgive them and you should forgive them. You should set yourself free, but don't do it with the intent that that's going to make them better. It, it just, it might, but don't be waiting for that to happen. So your forgiveness doesn't mean you still hang around. Your forgiveness doesn't mean you still stay in that environment. So I want to give you just a few things on what to do, how to manage toxic relationships. And and again, we've all got stuff to work on. When I say manage toxic relationships, I mean you have to understand that even though you have problems that that they are the problem, that, that you don't have to take all the blame in this relationship. So here's the first thing, how to manage relationships that are toxic. First of all, set healthy boundaries. Set healthy boundaries. I just got done reading a book called Boundaries. It's been around for 20-some years. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Almost every conflict relationally is because somebody is stepping over a boundary. Set healthy boundaries. Not everyone is bad. Not everyone is bad all the time. There was a situation that rose um, with, with Jesus, and he was talking to his disciples, and Peter said something. And Jesus' response to Peter was, Get thee behind me, who? Satan. Wait, wait a minute. Peter wasn't a bad guy. Peter was a follower of Jesus. He was one of the 12. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Jesus set a boundary. Boundaries are healthy. When we live a boundaryless life, people run over us. So let me give you a couple statements here. First of all, I want to just say this. It's okay to say no. That's really hard for people pleasers like me. But it's okay to say no. It's okay. I feel like we need to have a group therapy session here. No is a perfectly legitimate word. No is a healthy word. No strengthens relationships. It's okay. To say no. It's a beautiful word. No. Let's practice it, okay? Let's, I'm going to count to three. I want everyone to say no at the same time. One, two, three. No. Doesn't that feel good? Come on. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. Let's, let's, okay. Let's say it with a little bit more gusto, like no. Like no. You're, ready? One, two, three. No. I'm, no. It's okay to say No. It's all right. Some of you are like sweating a little bit right now. (laughs) I hope nobody heard me. It's okay to say no. Let me give you a couple other things here that you can say. I won't let you talk to me that way. I'm just not. I'm just not going to let you talk to me that way. 
I love you. You love me. We're friends. But I'm just not going to let you talk to me that way. It may, not, it may be something that they're saying about you. It may be just something that they're saying that you don't like. I don't, um, I don't want to hear that. I don't like that kind of humor. I don't want to hear you trash talking that individual. They're my friend. I don't, I just, and you don't have to be unkind about it. This is just, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. It's going to make a healthier relationship. I won't let you talk to me that way. I, also, I won't let you treat me that way. I'm just going to, watch, watch this, watch this. I'm not going to let you, watch this, watch this. There's two really cool tools. No, walk away. It really, it really works. It's like, it's, what, what? I'm not going to let you treat me that way. I'm just not, I'm not going to stay in this room right now and let you treat me that way. I'm just, your silence makes them assume you're okay with it. Did you hear that? When you don't say anything, when you don't do anything, you're giving permission for them to wipe their feet on you. It's okay to say no. I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. I'm not going to let you treat me that way. And I'm not going there with you. I know everyone's going after work. I know. I just know that very few things good happen there. I'm just not going to go there with you. It's, I'm just not going to go there. You know, here's what's amazing. We, okay, we have a fence in our backyard. You know why we have a fence in our backyard? Because my neighbor put it up. That's not a good illustration. Um, <clears throat> we put, <laughs> a lot of people put fences up so that there's a definite property line, right? Have you ever had a survey done? Like you get a survey so you know where your property lines are. And you know what happens? You kind of feel like, this is my property. Why is that person on my property? I mean, at first you're like, hey, did you know? Why is this load of lumber on my yard? I'm going to build a shed here. You're, no, <laughs> maybe you don't know. This is my yard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we have a misunderstanding. So, you know, I pay the mortgage, right? So this is my yard right here. Yeah, yeah. And that's mine. And I'm going to build my shed on your yard because you won't tell me no. So it's funny how we are with real estate. How we'll defend and insist that people respect our boundaries, but in interpersonal relationships, we don't want to make anybody mad. It's healthy to have boundaries in your life. It's okay to say, no, you're not going to build your shed in my yard. It's just not going to happen. But here's the beautiful thing. You'll be surprised how people will honor those boundaries. You'll be surprised at how God will honor the boundaries that you establish 
We just don't want to put up a fence. We don't want to say no to anybody. We're afraid to set healthy boundaries. But if you don't do it, don't expect other people to respect your boundaries. Set healthy boundaries. Number two, how to manage toxic relationships. Cut off the toxic relationship. Because here's the problem. There are going to be times when people will not respect your boundaries. You tell them you're not going to let them talk to you that way. You tell them you're not going to go there. You're not going to let them treat you that way. And they do not respect your boundaries. Now, let me be very clear. I think that there's very little you can do about family. And you're going, shucks. (laughs) Family's family. All right? And whether you, you know, it's, it, it is not easy. It's not, but you've made a covenant. You have, you have, um, you've been born with that, <laughs> right? It's what you have in life. But here's, here's the truth. There are extreme situations of abuse. And there is, there is real danger there, and I get it. And those are difficult conversations to have. And I would encourage you to get counseling if that's a situation that you're in this morning. But for the most part, in relationships that are not family, we can walk away. Now, I'll say this. I don't think, I don't think that every time you walk away, it's because they're a bad person. I don't think that every time you, you walk away, it's because they're toxic. For instance, in the book of Acts, I think it was chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas parted ways, right? They had this disagreement. I don't know what the conversation was, but they had been working together in the gospel ministry up until that point, and they didn't agree about somebody else, and so they just parted ways. They weren't toxic people. They're wonderful, beautiful Christians. So, so sometimes you walk away not because they're toxic but it's just not healthy for you to stay together. Other times, it really is best for you spiritually to stay away from somebody. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, God is telling the people of Israel, don't marry unbelievers. You're going to be living in this land, and there's going to be people who are not God followers. Don't intermarry. The same thing was told to us in, in 2 Corinthians, where Paul said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You just won't have things in common. So there are times when it's a good idea because it's going to affect you negatively, spiritually, that you just walk away. All right, look at Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. If you know the story, Potiphar's wife kept on tempting him. And over and over he had to put off her advances. And it finally says this in Genesis chapter 39, verse 12. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. He left. He fled. That was a toxic relationship. And then I felt like I needed to add this here towards the end. Cultivate healthy relationships. Because I think that if you, if you focus on being who you need to be in Christ, and fostering healthy relationships, and you see what healthy relationships can look like, it's going to help you recognize toxic relationships. And I just want to say a couple things here very quickly. I think you need to cultivate your relationship with Jesus. I think that you need to spend time 
with him. And maybe you don't know him. He said, whosoever will, right? Anybody can come to me. And what a great, what a great friend to have. Cultivate your relationship with Jesus. I also think you should go where spiritually healthy people are. Now, that may not be church. (laughs) I think you have a better chance of finding spiritually healthy people here, right? But I think you need to put yourself into an environment where there are spiritually healthy people. I think community groups are great. But, I mean, don't don't misunderstand me. There's weirdos everywhere, all right? Okay, there's there's, so there's the, I wasn't going to say anything, John, all right? You just volunteered that. But there's like... It doesn't matter where you go, there's going to be, you know, I don't know, you know. And that's, but I'm just saying, chances are that, that if you put yourself where there are spiritually healthy people, you have a better chance of cultivating healthy relationships. That just makes sense. Because who you spend time with and where you go often determine how you end up. Work on becoming who you need to be with your relationship with Jesus, so that you can be what somebody else needs you to be. And I'm just going to end with this little statement. Don't expect to get from others what only Jesus can provide. And I think this is a whole sermon in and of itself. But I think wives have a tendency to try and get all of their emotional needs and everything met from from the husband. And we're just not equipped to do that. I'm sorry. We are just not equipped. We can't be Jesus for you. The same token, we men expect our wives to meet all of our needs and do everything, but we have a sorry relationship with Jesus. And so we're demanding our wives do all of this stuff when really if we were happy with our relationship with Christ, then we'd be a much better husband. And your coworkers and your friends and your family, they are not equipped to provide the emotional and spiritual input into your life like Jesus can. Don't expect to get from others what only Jesus can provide. So maybe we're looking for too much. But I know this, if you're always looking at other people to blame for the misery that you feel. There's nothing you can do about changing them. So my suggestion is that you build healthy relationships with Jesus Christ, with other people who are seeking to be Jesus followers, and realize that Jesus is the only one who can really provide what you need in life. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, help us to be on the lookout for toxic relationships and help us to identify them whether it's somebody who's trying to control us or tempt us or it's just always negative, help us to properly set boundaries and help us to cultivate healthy relationships. We want to live free. We want to be free to serve you and free to live for you and free to love well and help us not to be entangled with a yoke of bondage because of unhealthy or toxic relationships. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.